The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? We're your hosts, Najee Adams. And Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. So before we get into what this episode is going to really be about, I just wanted to give a quick introduction of who we are because this is our first episode and you guys probably don't know who we are at all. So basically, I'm Najee Adams. My co-host is Hunter Jacobs. We're both juniors at St. John's University who write for HoopBall.com. The two of us have been friends since high school and we're both extremely passionate about the game of basketball. So we're excited to get this podcast up and running. The first segment we're going to cover is called the Brooklyn Baller of the Offseason. At the end of each week, it's going to be Brooklyn Baller of the Week, and it's going to be a weekly thing. It's going to be our main segment. But since we have the whole offseason to cover, we're going to have a segment right now about the entire offseason, our Brooklyn Baller of the Offseason. It's the player we think had the biggest step up and had the most productive offseason, and that player is... Karis LeVert. So, the reason why we chose Karis LeVert, originally we wanted to choose D'Angelo Russell, but he's the best player on the team, and it's hard to just not choose him every time, so we figured we'd step out of the box. But we took a look over the Nets media day quotes and stuff like that, and it's really hard not to notice Karis LeVert. He was... Every, almost every Nets player praised him. Uh, just a couple of, of examples. Ed Davis said he's probably the one guy who I hadn't seen play a lot, and it's probably Levert. I didn't really know that he had that much stuff that he can do with the ball, his footwork and things like that. Damari Carroll also said, Karras, I think this is his year. I think this is a breakout year. Veteran Jared Dudley that the Nets acquired this year said he hasn't seen anyone be able to guard Karras Levert so far in the last couple of weeks. He said he's basically scoring at will. He's athletic. He's one of the fastest we have on the team. Like, Karis LeVert showed what he can do at the end of last season when D'Angelo Russell was hurt and he was playing a lot of minutes. He was putting up numbers. Like, there were some efficiency issues, but that will come with age and experience, I think. He'll get better each year. But he showed that he definitely has a spot on the team with a lot of minutes to come for a great young player. And I think this comes as a surprise to a lot of people because when you think about the Nets, Karis LeVert probably isn't the first name you think of. Like, when you think about the Nets offseason and when, like, the Nets players are asked who you think is going to take a leap, I think everyone expects people to say D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Spencer Dinwiddie maybe. But Karis LeVert, when I first heard the quotes, I was like, 
Okay, like it, it put him on my radar more than it would have normally. And it was a quiet, good first-round pick for the Nets. They didn't have a pick for years because of the Celtics trade, and they acquired that pick, and they used it on Lavert, and so they didn't waste the one pick that they got. They actually turned it into a good player for their future. Lavert is garnering all this praise, and it's led to the Timberwolves asking for him in the trade for Jimmy Butler. So, Hunter, my question for you is: Would you trade Karis Lavert for Jimmy Butler right now? After knowing everything that happened at media day. Yes and no. Yes, if Jimmy Butler, upon immediate trade, would sign an extension, then yes. If his extension is up in the air, then no. That would have to be predetermined in order for me to just give away Levert. Because he can really be a big piece of their future. What do you think the ideal trade would be? Like, would you give up Levert? Who would you want to give up? See, for me, wait, let me just give a disclaimer. We're both sick at the moment. So if we sound stuffy or you hear sniffles in the background, it's because we're sick. We're going to try to limit the sniffles, but if you hear them, that's why. But who I would give up for Jimmy Butler on the Nets? Definitely not D'Angelo Russell. I'm definitely not giving up Jared Allen. With all this praise for Karis LeVert, not giving him up. So that really only leaves me with, I'd probably go Randa Hollis-Jefferson, Allen Crabb, Two first, no, I go with the one first round pick because the Nets haven't had a first round pick in years, so they probably wouldn't want to give up two. And if I was a Nets owner, I wouldn't want to give up two. So I'd probably go Allen Crabb, Rondé House Jefferson, and a first round pick for Jimmy Butler. Now, would the Timberwolves accept that? See, I think they should because Rondé House Jefferson can play their four. He can develop and play defense next to Towns, being that Towns isn't the best defensive player. And then they get Alan Crabb, a shooter, to play the two. I, I think they should take it. I mean, the asking Are you really price, getting any better offers is the question. He, it depends because the Heat won't even give up Josh Richardson, who is their version of Karis LeVert exactly. to me. So, and the Timberwolves' asking price has been Ben Simmons. D'Angelo Russell. They're basically going to every team and asking them so, for their best player. I really don't know. A trade will eventually happen in the next couple days i'd say but i don't know that they're gonna get a star it's like the trade with mellow you would never expect that that's what would have happened that he would end up with the thunder for that price it just things like that happen out of nowhere so he could end up with a random team that hasn't been mentioned yet so if if he doesn't go to the nets my prediction well our prediction would be that he goes to a team that hasn't really been in the trade talks because that seems to be what happens if you think about Paul George oh he's gonna get traded to the Lakers oh he's gonna get traded to the Rockets he's gonna get traded to the Cavs and then out of nowhere come the Thunder scoop him up oh Kawhi Leonard Lakers Cavs and then out of nowhere the Raptors come scoop him up so me and Hunter came up with this trade it has Jimmy Butler going to the Wizards in a three-team trade with the Suns involved as well well, let me say first, out of all the teams in the news, the safest one to say that he'll go to is the Heat. They, they're very compatible. The Kings would probably be added to take the contract of Gorgie Dang. So that's like the safest way to go, and he wants to end up with the Heat right now apparently. So it makes sense that he would end up there. But who wants to go safe? If it does happen that it's a team that hasn't been mentioned yet. I think it will be the Wizards. Although they do have a three in Otto Porter. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's Butler a better three. Would be an upgrade for them. And imagine 
their three best players as John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Jimmy Butler. With Dwight Howard at the five. That would make Kelly them, Oubre. That would make them a force in the Austin East, Rivers. Honestly. So the full trade is that the Timberwolves get Otto Porter, Thomas Sadaransky, a first from the Wizards, and a second from the Suns. The Wizards then get Jimmy Butler and Troy Daniels, and the Suns end up with Justin Patton and Tyus Jones. Now, you might be asking, why, what, how would this help the Suns? Why would they do this? They the give Suns, up a second-round pick for what? The Suns really want Tyus Jones, and they need a point guard. I think if Tyus Jones did get the chance, he could actually I be I think a, he would be nice. He could be a pretty solid player. So if the Suns take a waiver on someone like him and all they lose is a second-round pick and Troy Daniels... If, that doesn't really hurt them at all either. So they're just taking a minor risk for a possibly big reward. If you think about it, when Jeff Teague was out last year and Tyus was starting, he was killing. Yeah, he was doing pretty well. He's a good player. I liked him since he was at Duke. Patton, he hasn't played at all because he's been fighting injury. But, I mean, I guess there's some potential there. And the Wizards, they also get Troy Daniels to replace Sadaransky off the bench next to Austin Rivers. So... That's their shooter off the bench. And then the Timberwolves, yes, they lose Jimmy Butler. But so far, out of all the trades I've heard, no one's willing to give up someone a player the caliber of Otto Porter. Now, Otto Porter is no all-star, but he'll average you a nice 17-6-4. While guarding the best player on the other team. Literally, like, if you plug Jimmy Butler in, I mean, if you plug Otto Porter in where Jimmy Butler is right now, clearly the Timberwolves are worse. But if that's the haul you get out of it, Thomas Adaransky, who's a very capable backup point guard. Yeah, he's a point guard in the body of a small, small forward. Literally, he's like 6'7", 6'8". He can definitely, he's like, he has handles and he's 6'7", 6'8". And he showed what he had when John Wall missed time last year. Yeah, he would get like 10, 12 assists in a game. He knows how to pass. He's a good backup point guard. And that would let D. Rose play off ball off the bench unless he starts, depending on what they get back in a trade. But I think this trade benefits all three teams. It may come out of nowhere. The Wizards may not be involved at all. They may stay away from it. But this is our bold prediction with the trade. Okay, so back to our Nets. If they did make that trade that we just proposed of Allen Crabb and... Hollis Jefferson and a first. For Jimmy Butler. Where do you think they would end up in the Eastern Conference standings? I would say they'd be highest sixth seed, lowest eighth seed. Because you have to remember, you have your your locks. Like, the Celtics are a lock. The the Sixers Sixers are a lock. The Raptors are a lock. The Wizards, um, they're not a lock, but I'd say they make it. That's why I say anywhere from six to eight, because the Wizards sneaked in at eight last year when everyone thought they'd be near the top of the East, so... The Wizards might fall more than you expect. The Bucks are most likely going to make it. The Pacers. Uh, the Pacers. A lot of people are saying the Bulls, but I don't believe it. So I would probably slot the Nets in somewhere between 6 and 8, squeak into the bottom end of the playoffs, maybe crunch out a first-round win. I doubt it. They're probably not going to beat the Celtics or the Sixers, whichever one gets the first seed. This season, it would be a trial with Jimmy Butler if they get him for recruiting for who they can get next offseason. Because Jimmy Butler wanted to go to a place that has enough money to get someone else. The Nets are one of those places. So he would want to recruit a Clay Thompson, a Kyrie, a Kawhi. Maybe they wouldn't want to come, but that's his objective. He wants to play with another star 
And he does not see D'Lo as a superstar. He wants a superstar like Clay or Kawhi to pair and make D'Lo the third option. But, I mean, wasn't he already playing with a starring cat? They didn't get along. That's the... Like, they didn't get along. He wants one of his choice. He wants to make the team. He's trying to do what LeBron does and make his team. He does not get along with people that he's paired up with. He didn't get along Derek with Rose. his teammates on the Bulls. He doesn't get. He didn't get along with Wiggins and Towns. So it may be his problem. Yeah. So then maybe teams don't want to trade for him because he might be some type of locker room cancer. He could be the problem if he wants to constantly leave like Dwight Howard did. That, like, of course someone's gonna take him. He's great. based on pure talent. But no one's gonna trade Ben Simmons or D'Lo franchise cornerstones for a guy who wants to constantly leave the place. Okay. So now we're gonna shift our focus back to reality and the event, the very likely event that the Nets don't get Jimmy Butler. We're just going to break down or just let you guys know about their notable offseason's additions and subtractions. So this offseason, the Nets basically added Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, Shabazz Napier, Jeanon Musa, who they drafted, and Kenneth Farid, all while losing really only Jeremy Lin. And who could forget about Timofey Mozgov? (laughs) So with these additions and subtractions, do you think the Nets make the playoffs this season? Give me like... Give me a records prediction. Barring any health problems, I think the Nets could end off at like... 40. I was going to say like 43 and 39 and 8th seed, 7th, 8th seed. I mean, I think anywhere from 7 to 10 could be close. And I think they could sneak in at the back end. I mean, I think if they wind up playing the Celtics or Raptors or Sixers in the first round, they're going to get swept. Yeah, it's over regardless. But... If, I think they have a chance of making it this year. This is like one of the first years in a while there's hope for the playoffs. It really depends on how big of a leap their young players take. It's mainly D'Lo, Karis LeVert, and Jared, Jared Allen. Allen. If those three are projected to make as big of a jump as their teammates say they are, then they could be something. Like D'Lo was doing very well in the beginning of last season prior to when he got hurt. And then when he came back, it, it wasn't the same. So hopefully he could get back to his early season form last year. The thing with D'Lo this season is I'm looking at it as a contract year for him because he's, he's seen his good friends, Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns, both get extensions. And the Nets have been really reluctant to offer him one because he hasn't really showed to be the type of caliber player of Cat and Devin Booker. So for D'Lo, I feel like this is a prove-it season. Like, it's either you show the Nets that you are the player they traded for and the player the Lakers drafted, the player you were in Ohio State, or you don't get paid and you hit the free agency and probably don't get anywhere close to what Cat and Booker got. You have the Nets at 43. I'll, I'll give the Nets 40. A flat 40. Though so the Nets won, what, 28 games last season? So can I do I give them 12 more wins? D'Lo missed basically half the season. Jared Allen didn't really turn it on until late. Karis LeVert clearly isn't as good as he is now. Rondé Hallett-Jefferson missed time. And Shabazz Napier is not someone to mess around with. He's actually a very good player, in my opinion. He played... That's one of the steals of the offseason. Yeah, he played late in game for the Blazers a lot. He was like their Rozier version, like how the Celtics use him at the end of games and go small ball, the Nets can honestly do the same thing if he 
proves that he's worthy of minutes. They also didn't know how good Spencer Dinwiddie was at the beginning of last season. And people seem to, to forget about Ed Davis. The Nets had a big problem with offensive rebounds last year. And, and he's Ed one Davis, of the best. Yeah, he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. So that's going to help them fill a hole that they didn't previously have. I think last year, since the team was so new, it was kind of a trial run for the future. Like, now they know their roles. Now they, they know what they've got. They know who's talented, who's not, and, like, who they're going to play at what times, what situations. So I think this season could run a lot more smoothly, barring injury. Okay, so moving on to some accolades we think that Nets players might achieve this season. We're going to start off with most improved. Now, me personally, I've called this player being most improved for the last two years. Neither of them has he won. But I'm going for third time's the charm, and it is D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that anyone on the Nets is winning most improved, but if I had to pick one, I'd go Karis LeVert because I also have projected that he's going to start by the end of the season. My projected starting lineup is basically what they have now. is just with Karis LeVert instead of Alan Crabb. So I have D'Lo, LeVert, Carroll, Hollis Jefferson, and Jared Allen instead of Alan Crabb. I think he'll be like a Ben shooter by the end of the season. Lavert is going to take over. The reason I say D'Lo for most improved player is because I feel like he theoretically should thrive in a Kenny Atkinson offense that likes to push the pace, get up court, shoot a lot of threes, which is what D'Angelo Russell thrives on. However, last season he had injury woes, and then when he came back, Kenny Atkinson kept him on a really short leash. So hopefully how hard he's worked this offseason will allow Kenny Atkinson to lengthen that leash. And if we're being honest, D'Angelo Russell is the best player on the team, so he should get the most opportunity to prove that he is the most improved player. Well, based on the Kenny Atkinson offense, according to Jared Dudley, LaVert looks like the fastest guy out there, and he likes to run out, and he likes to pass, he likes to push the ball. He's athletic, more athletic than D'Lo. So in the Atkinson offense, he might actually get better. He might get a lot of opportunities. Yeah, that's very that very well could be the case. But for me, D'Angelo Russell had like a top 25 usage rate last season, and he couldn't produce with it. So if you give him that same usage rate with better production, I just can't see him not at least being especially, in the running for it. Especially if they make the playoffs. I think they'll get more notice for most improved because it will show that their record improved so players improved. If D'Lo can average something like 21-7-5, I think that would be not enough, but like that would get him in the conversation at least. Now, his ceiling is obviously somewhere around like 24 or 25. But is he going to reach that this season in his fourth year? Probably not. Now, moving on to who we think on the Nets could make the All-Star team. Yeah, who for the Nets we think would possibly make the All-Star team? And no surprise here, we're going to go with D'Angelo Russell yet again. I, I don't think anyone else on the team really has a shot of making the all-star team yeah we're not year. saying that he's going to make the all-star team we're saying if there was one player on the nets that had a chance of making the all-star team who would it be basically you can say this for every single award down the list you the can most, say it for every team the most likely player would be d'angelo russell for almost anything that the nets would accomplish <laughs> exactly the only other thing is six man of the or year defensive player which probably or defensive Allen, player but 
MVP most likely would be D'Angelo exactly. Russell. He's exactly. he's the best player on the team. He's going to get the ball the most. But I, I think he could make the All-Star team. The East is pretty weak, but he'd have to have a a similar like whole first half to the first 10 games of last season before he got hurt. Now, moving on to one player we each want the Nets to acquire. So, we took some time thinking about this one. You want to go first or want me to go first? You. I ended up deciding that I need the Nets to have a power forward that is an actual power forward and is not Ronda Hollis-Jefferson. So, I'm going to go with Nikola Mirotic. Now, hear me out. The Pelicans have talked about playing Mirotic, Randall, and Anthony Davis all in the same lineup. Mirotic would most likely be the three in that situation. Now, I wanted the Nets to get Julius Randle last season. I mean, in this offseason, but that didn't end up happening. So, if things don't work out in, with all three of them playing at the same time, who out of those three players would the Pelicans mo- be most likely to trade? Not Anthony Davis, who could be the best player in the league. Not Julius Randle, who they just signed. It would be Nikola Mirotic. Now, I feel like Nikola Mirotic would fit the Nets extremely well. He doesn't play the best defense, no, but he could stretch the floor, be a stretch four that could just pull. He When he's on fire, he's one of the best stretch fours in the league. I'm just saying it. I also want the Nets to acquire a power forward, being that that's their weakest position, although Rondé Hollis is a promising player. But I, I like him coming off the bench with Levert for now as a better option, so... I have them getting Jordan Bell from the Warriors. You might ask why the Warriors would even consider a trade. But if they get someone like Dinwiddie or Alan Crabb. Who can help their bench. And be next to Sean Livingston. And stretch the floor. Keep the spacing good. Better than Patrick McCaw. Then... They might just pull the trigger because now they have DeMarcus Cousins when it matters. So how many big men do they really need? Jordan Bell would immediately start for the Nets and no one has really seen what he can do. So he might actually turn out being a great a player. A steal. A steal. Like the Warriors got a steal giving cash for Jordan cash Bell. consideration to the Bulls. But if the Nets pull off a trade for Jordan Bell, it could be a steal. I think he could be really good. And lastly, we have one player that each of us think won't be on the team come season's end. Now, as sad as this is to say, I'm going to say Spencer Dinwiddie won't be on the Nets roster come time for the playoffs. Because as of recently, he's been in a lot of trade talks. And if the Nets get the right offer, why wouldn't they pull the trigger? They don't. Their backup point guard position now could easily be filled by Shabazz Napier. So Spencer Dinwiddie, they're probably going to play him a lot of minutes in the beginning of the season, boost his value, and then ship him off for someone that a position they more so need than point guard because they have D'Angelo Russell and Shabazz Napier now. And Karis LeVert can handle the ball, and so can Ronda Alice-Jefferson. So they don't need a ball handler as much as they like. They don't need a ball handler like Spencer Dinwiddie just rotting on the bench when he has so much trade value. I'm going with Alan Crabb. In my opinion, you really don't like Alan Crabb. <laughs> If they trade Allen Crabb, I think Dinwiddie and D'Lo could be a one-two positionless backcourt and work well together, gain chemistry, and then Shabazz Napier is the first point guard off the bench, and he comes off the bench with Levert. That, or you could start Levert next to D'Lo and bring Shabazz Napier and Dinwiddie together off the bench. That's 
That's like a four-guard system they'll have that should work flawlessly. And I think Alan Crabb gets in the way of that right now. I think if you get rid of him and you can pull off a trade for an efficient big man, like a power forward like Jordan Bell or Miritich, Ryan Anderson, someone like that, then I think it would clear up a lot of space for the backcourt and make like a defined role for each of them. So with that, that ends everything that we had planned. But when we were, while we were talking about this, something came to my mind. Do you think the Nets will be the best team in New York this season? Or the best basketball team in New York? I'm going with yes, solely because of Chris Stapp's poor Zingis' injury. If Chris Stapp didn't get injured, not a chance. I don't see a single realm of possibility in which the Nets outplay the Knicks if Chris Stapp plays the whole season. Although the Knicks are not a good basketball team. <laughs> not a, not in the slightest. And they don't have a whole lot of talent that works well together. I think they'd still be better just because they have Chris Stapps, honestly. And now they have Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson, two solid picks in my opinion. They signed Mario Hazondia. They got Frank Nidokina coming off the bench. And this is not to say that the Knicks are a better team than the Nets for sure, but if they were complete, if both of the teams are completely healthy, I would choose. It would be, it would kind of be a toss up. But if I was forced to choose, I think both I would, would be borderline playoff teams, regardless. But I think the Knicks would be better. I, that would be great for New York basketball. Period. Both the Knicks and the Nets making the playoffs. That would be insane. It will happen soon. I think. Give it a year, two years. That would be insane. And one last, last thing that came to my mind. Do you think the Nets are going to be a good enough team this year to garner enough respect and praise to sign a good superstar free agent this offseason? Which they're trying to do by saving up their cap space. Honestly, I think they they should pull off a Jimmy Butler trade if they really want to lure another superstar. But stand alone without Jimmy Butler is going to be hard. I don't I don't think Clay would leave. I don't think Kyrie's going to go there being that they have D'Angelo Russell and he just it's not the best fit. I don't know why Kawhi would go there. Kawhi probably will not go there, but I mean he has a he has a role there if he wants to run a team. There's a whole bunch of one-year deals that were signed this offseason. KD would KD go to the Nets? Not a chance. I don't think they'll get a superstar. Like, they might get a couple more good players, but a superstar, I don't know. That's that's questionable. But what's the Nets' goal? Is the Nets' goal to keep stacking up potential or to get one bona fide star? I mean, they eventually have to get stars, but you can't force that to happen. It just has to happen naturally. So if they see that these young players are becoming something, there might want to... Someone might want to be the leader of that group. Kawhi might see that and want to come and be the leader of all the young players as they're getting better and take them to the third seed, second seed, because right now, unless they get two to three stars, they're not topping the Celtics. They're not topping the Sixers. They're not topping the the Bucks. They're not topping the Wizards, the Pacers. Okay, the Pacers, Wizards, Bucks, maybe, if you have one star, two stars. Because D'Angelo could get there. Jared Allen's improving. But the Celtics and Sixers, it's going to be hard for them not to run the East for years to come. 
they just have way too much, right? And with that, we want to conclude our first episode of this NBA season. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets and your personal host. You can follow me at Najee Adams underscore N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore. And Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter for me. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on next episode. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.